1: And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. Because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful. Just as your Father is merciful. I need verses like that. That's not
0: natural. Loving people who love you is so simple, and wouldn't life go so much smoother if those were the only people you had to interact with? But today, Pastor Danny has a challenge for you from the book of Hebrews. Love those who don't love you. It's something God's calling you to do, and something that Jesus demonstrated over and over again in His time on earth. Jesus went to the extreme, too. He gave up His life for everyone. If He can love like that, shouldn't we as His followers show grace to others? Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 for today's edition of The Living Word.
1: Absalom never said a word to Amnon, either good or bad. He hated Amnon because he had disgraced his sister Tamar. Two years go by. He doesn't say one word to Amnon, good or bad. Two years go by. And the whole two years, Absalom is conspiring. It's sheep shearing time again. He goes to his dad, King David. says, Dad, sheep shearing time. Why don't you and all the kids... All you can, all my brothers and sisters, why don't you come to where I'm shearing sheep and let's have a festive time? David's an older man, and even though Am, Absalom urged him, he says, No, nah, I'm not going to make the trip. He says, Well, then come on, get Amnon to go. Amnon, get him to go. And David urges Amnon, and Amnon goes. And Absalom has said secretly to his men, When we're at the party, and Amnon is High in spirit off of the wine. When I give the signal, you draw your swords and you take him down. He gives a signal. His men do exactly what he said. Word gets back to the king that all of his sons are dead. That's not true. David eventually finds out the truth. Only Amnon is dead. And Absalom is the one who killed him. Absalom goes and flees to Geshur, to the king of Geshur. That's basically his granddad on that relative side, and he's there for three years. And the spirit of David longed to go to Absalom. He was consoled after three years over Amnon's death. But he still doesn't call for his son. To shorten the story, Joab, his general, encourages David to bring Abnon, Absalom back, and he sends word to Absalom, he can come back to Jerusalem, but he can't see my face. That's a pretty serious timeout. Two years go by, Absalom doesn't see his dad's face. David won't let him into his presence. Finally, again encouraged by Joab, uh, David lets Absalom come before him and it says he kisses him. But if you read the story carefully, he kisses him, but he hasn't forgiven him of sins that Absalom committed, that David himself had committed and been forgiven of by God. But don't miss the point. Even though David failed as a father, Absalom is responsible. Despite his father's failure, he's responsible for his own attitude. And let me note, where this whole bitter snowball start? How did it start? It started when a wrong was done. The someone Absalom loved dearly, his sister. Let me give you a little personal footnote. And I'm not saying this because anything's wrong. But you touch my daughter. You touch my daughter. You say, I can take you. You might take me, but I got three sons. And one of them's real good with a shotgun. You say, I can't believe the pastor said that. I'm telling you, this is the most difficult one. You mess with my daughter. It's going to be very difficult for me to wait for the law to come and deal with you. I'm going to be calling Hayden. Hayden, get the shotgun. Now, God willing, that won't happen. That wouldn't happen even if the scenario played out. I'm just telling you, come on, be honest. Dad, listen, your daughter? Somebody takes advantage of your daughter? That's a tough one. And here... Listen, what did our text say? See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. It affected a whole family, David's family, and even the nation of Israel at the time. That's a tough one, but the Bible has the answer even for that. Let me tell you a fourth one, envy and jealousy. First Samuel chapter 18 says when... They're coming back after David killed the Philistine, the ladies began to sing. And it was a song everybody evidently knew, only they added a refrain. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And it says when he heard that refrain that these women sang, it galled him. It galled him. And it says that from that day on, he kept a jealous eye on David and that jealousy and that envy turned to bitterness, and that bitterness became deep-rooted and was became hatred. And he for years sought to take David's life. Interesting, Matthew 27 says that Pilate, the governor, knew when the Jews handed Jesus over to him, it says there, that he knew it was out of envy that they handed Jesus over to him. They envied Jesus, his life, his ministry, his popularity. He became more popular than them. Let me give you one more. Issues with God. I'm sure you remember Jonah, don't you? Even if you never read it in the Bible, you know the story. God called him to go to Nineveh. He didn't like that too much. And he didn't go initially. He went as far away from the situation as he could to the the then known end of the world, to Tarshish. God let him be swallowed by a big fish. He spent three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, spit him up on the shore. He changed his mind. He goes to Nineveh. Now, why doesn't he want to go to Nineveh? Because there is the dwelling place of your archest enemies. The Ninevites were bitter enemies of Israel, had done terrible things over the years to Israel. That's why Jonah didn't want to go. He didn't want to go and preach to them because he knew He knew there was a chance they might repent and God might forgive them. Let me pick it up very quickly in Jonah chapter 3 verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. But Jonah, listen, was greatly displeased and became angry. Angry at who? Angry at God for forgiving them. Jonah didn't want God to forgive them. Jonah wanted the wrath of God upon them. He prayed to the Lord. Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That's why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now take away my life for it's better for me to die than to live. That's how upset he is about this thing. God asked him several times in the closing verses, do you have a right to be angry with me? Jeremiah, a great prophet, but he had some issues with God. He had the same issues with God that one of the greatest worship leaders in all the Bible had. That worship leader wrote a psalm. His name is Asaph, and here's what he writes in Psalm 73. Listen carefully. Psalm 73, verse 1 Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from the burdens common to man. They're not plagued by human ills. Verse 12, this is what the wicked are like, always carefree. They increase in wealth. Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been plagued. I've been punished every day. And then he says this, if I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. In other words, if I'd have told everybody what I was really thinking about God, I wouldn't have said anything really good about him. I had a friend in college. And there was a group of us. We were close knit. We did a lot of stuff together. And those of us who were close looked at this one fellow, and he was a youth major like I was, but oh man, so charismatic! You talk about a charismatic figure. He was funny. He's we laughed forever at this guy, and we were we were certain this guy. Was going to be the greatest youth worker in our generation. We thought, we just knew hundreds and thousands of youth were going to come to Christ through him and their lives are just going to be changed. I mean, we just, everybody knew it. The whole school, as a matter of fact, they knew about this guy. Thought he's, a, he's going to be the greatest youth worker of our generation. After graduation, we lost touch with one another. And then a few years later, I was talking on the phone with one of these close friends and we had reconnected. And he said, did you hear about, and I'm not going to say his name. And I said, no, what? Well, he said, well, he married Lori. That was his high school and his college sweetheart. They went through all that together, and they ended up getting married. And uh, they had a child that was stillborn. And my friend said, Danny, he just turned away from God. Got totally bitter against God. This has been years ago, last time I talked to this friend, as far as uh, we know, he's still, he's not a part of a church, he's not in any kind of ministry, as far as I know. Totally bitter against God. Well, look, come on now, listen up at the last part of this. How are you going to guard against this? Well, first, you don't let bitterness take root. Ephesians says, don't let The sun go down on your wrath. Be angry and sin not. Deal with it. How do I deal with it? Don't hang out with bitter people. Proverbs 22, don't make friends with a hot-tempered man. Don't associate with one easily angered. or You may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. Number three, take regular doses of the word. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I need verses like this regularly. Hey, say this with me. Come on, everybody say this with me, will you? You ready? If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. I need verses like that. That's not natural. James one twenty one says, Humbly accept the word planted in you. Now, here's the bottom line. Don't miss the grace of God. Of God. I'm not going to go back and read it, but the text, listen, in context, verses 18 to 21, what is that? The law. The law. And all the law does is scare you and make you condemned and you want to run because you fear. Judgment, judgment, judgment. But verses 22 to 27, the heavenly Jerusalem, thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. The blood of Abel cries out vengeance, judgment. The blood of Jesus cries out grace, mercy. Here's what I wrote to myself. I'll pass it on to you from the text let the awe, oh God, how much you've forgiven me for. And every day, your mercies for me are new every morning. And what you planned for me, you've not only forgiven me, you got a place, a city, paradise, that I'm going to live forever. There will be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain. I'm going to have a new body. I don't deserve any of that. None of us do. And so let the awe of all he's done for us encourage us to treat others the way he treats us. And last but not least, don't lose me here. Don't lose the Lord here. Matthew 18, 21 to 35, I, I wouldn't read it, but I'm just going to tell you this one. Jesus tells a parable. Guy owes his master more than he could ever repay. He begs his master, begs his master. His master forgives him the debt completely. And then he goes out, and one of his servants that owes him a minuscule compared to what he owed his master minuscule. And that servant says to him, the same thing he said to his master. Oh, please, please, please. And he begs for mercy. But instead the guy grabs him by the throat and begins to choke him. He says, no, you pay me back what you owe me. This gets reported back to his master who had forgiven him. And his master says, you, you wicked servant. And he throws him into prison, brings the magistrate, throws him into prison. And he says, That's where you'll stay until you learn. That's where you'll stay. And then in Jesus ends and says, So will your heavenly father treat you unless you forgive your brother from the heart. Don't miss the grace of God. In college, I became close friends with a guy, who became part of the ministry team I was a part of. And, uh, we did a lot of ministry together. We, we did magic shows because he was a magician. And I ended up, long story made short, became a part of a two-man magic team. We'd go up and down the Eastern Seaboard, did middle schools and high schools, up and down the Eastern Seaboard, raised money for missions, work that we were doing with the group that we were still traveling with. Spent two summers in Australia, did ministry in Australia, just tremendous time. Uh, We bought two birds in Australia our our time there. Uh, They're called galahs in Australia. We know them here better as rose-breasted cockatoos. And in Australia, they're like crows. They're like pest birds. We bought them for $8 a piece. Had to have them put in quarantine in Hawaii for 30 days and then Dallas, Texas for 30 days. And we finally got the birds. While they're in quarantine, we're on the way back from that trip. Uh, The team has a long layover in San Francisco and uh, we're at Fisherman's Wharf, if you've ever been there. And we got a whole day when walking around, Kevin and I wander into this pet shop and in this pet shop, they got these two rose breasted cockatoos, these galahs look exactly like our birds, which all of them look pretty much alike. And we're interested in, in how much they sell them for here in the States. We had no idea. We knew they were worth much more than $8. Well, manager comes out, meets with us, he said, $3,500. We said, $3,500 for a pair? He said, no, $3,500 a piece. We're college students. We're thinking, we not only got birds for the magic show, we're rich. Fast forward, uh, I felt led to go back to school and finish my degree. Kevin continued doing magic, married one of the singers in the ministry team that we did ministry with. You can Google them. They come every year to Ruth Eckert Hall. They're called the Spencers. Got a great show, I'm telling you. But after we parted ways, we flipped a coin. One of the birds got crippled in the quarantine. We don't know how. And we flipped and ended up, i take one bird, he'd take the other bird. He got the crippled one. God's will. (laughs) Not long afterwards, I get a letter from Kevin. Hey, when we bought the birds, it was with the intention of adding them to the magic show. So really, I ought to have the birds, basically. Well, I sent him a short message back and told him what I thought about that. Next thing you know, I'm getting a letter from his lawyer. I couldn't believe it. Two Christians, two Christian brothers. I got more letters from his lawyer. I ignored them. And then it came down to the threat of going to court. And finally, finally, I took that bird. I was working for an airline in Virginia. I put it on a Piedmont airline plane on COMAT, company material. Told Kevin what flight it was going to be on. And I was sending the bird to him. When that bird took off, my burden took off with that bird. Because, listen, I felt, and I still feel today, I had every right to that bird. And that bird, listen, became such a burden for me. I became embittered toward my brother. Here's the way you overcome. Here's the cure. You got to confess it, first of all. You can't say, well, you don't know what they did to me, and it's their fault. No. If you have bitter envy, bitterness inside, James 3 says, don't deny the truth. Just confess it. 1 John 1, 9, confess your faults. Humility. James 3, in the context, you know, Bitterness always comes from pride. That's always the root. I don't care what somebody's done to you or done to somebody you love. It's still pride and humility. Listen, the essence of humility is this. You know what I did when I put that bird on that plane? I gave up my right. I gave up my right. I felt I had every right. Still today, I feel like I had every right to that bird. But I'm not a bird brain. I was for a while. And here's what I did. I gave up my rights. I humbled myself when I said, and when I did, you know what Corey Ten Boone says? To forgive is to set a prisoner free and realize the prisoner was you. I was free. I had so so much inside, you know. Listen, the other thing you do is you pray for the person you're bitter against. That's what Jesus said in Luke 6, 28. Now, I'd been praying for Kevin before. God, you get him. You give him what he deserves. <laughs> but you know, that day I started praying for God to bless Kevin, and He has. And you know, He's blessed me as a result of praying and for Kevin that God would bless him. I get free tickets to his show, <laughs> and we're friends again. Next time I saw him, hugged him, blessed him. Before that, I'd have punched his lights out. <laughs> bless the person you have an attitude against. Luke 6 verse 28, do good to them. That's what he said. Do good to your enemies. Romans 12, 20 and 21, hey, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. Something good, not something laced with something. No, (laughs) feed him. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. It goes on to conclude, don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. I was embittered for years against my stepdad. It was still there after I became a Christian. I didn't respect him. I began to pray for him. I'm living proof. I'm living proof. I'm living proof. And I know I'm not the only one. I know some of you other guys can relate to this. I began to pray for him, and over time, God changed my heart toward him. I can stand here today and say, I have a genuine, emotional, good feeling and love for my stepfather. That's a miracle. Now, when I first started praying for him, I didn't have any warm fuzzies. There was not any, oh, this feels so good. No, no, it was none of that. It was by faith, by faith, by faith. You go out to do good to the person that's your enemy, that's by faith. You're usually not going to have those warm fuzzies. Warm fuzzies follow, and it's a miracle of heaven that anything warm could follow that. But that's the way God works. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and realize the prisoner was you. Hey, just in the last few minutes, what is it you need to turn over to the Lord? What is it maybe you know you need to do? Maybe a phone call, maybe a letter. By the way, the downside of this message, you know what one of the downsides of this message is? If your spouse starts doing really nice things for you this week, (laughs) probably a clue. Somebody starts sending you gifts and you go, wow, from them? Yeah. Maybe an attitude. But look, let's begin by faith right now. Surrender it. Put the bird on the plane, so to speak. Give it up. God, you take it and you help me to follow through as you've instructed me to.
0: for joining us today to study the book of Hebrews. There's so much to learn, so we hope you'll keep coming back to study with Pastor Danny Hodges. You can find more of the messages from this series right now on our website, ccfstpete.church. You'll be directed to our YouTube page, where you can find a number of teachings from Calvary Chapel Fellowship, and subscribe to our channel. Come connect with us on social media as well. You'll find The Living Word on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and jump into the conversations there. You'll be able to find links to all of these at our website, ccfstpete.church. If you happen to be in the St. Petersburg area, we'd love to meet you. Every message you hear on The Living Word comes from a teaching Pastor Danny has shared at Calvary Chapel Fellowship, and you're invited to join us for our weekly services. Come just as you are for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Bible on Saturday at 6 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Find directions on our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. We also live stream our services. So if you can't make it in person, join us online. You'll find a link at the top of the page at c-c-f-s-t-p-e-t-e That's all the time we have for today. Feel free to read ahead in Hebrews and be sure to tune in next time to join Pastor Danny right here on The Living Word.